0: Views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship.
1: Tell my mama and tell my father that young son.
0: here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man.
1: Well, greetings to my friends and family, all of you who are in recovery, advocates and the like, and even those who should be, who may be tuning in. We are welcoming you once again to walking through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions uh, with our host, Chris Schroeder, who so eloquently delivers this message of of um, what should I call it? What should I call it Chris? What, what is what is
0: contentious, a... con- contentious recovery?
1: Contentious recovery? there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are on step eight we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, how do you want to start out today, buddy?
0: You know, Monty, I want to start off a little bit unusual uh, on an unusual footing. You know I was at work today and you know I work um, I work for a large pharma- pharmaceutical manufacturing uh, company. And, you know, we support a lot of uh, the physical plant functions and a lot of the maintenance functions. And they have a process that they're working very, very hard on, and it's called the management of change. It's a change control procedure. And one of the reasons they do it is because they have to have a quality control of uh, very, very uh, seriously uh, under, under control because what you don't want to have happen is, let's say, on an assembly line, a part breaks. And it's, it's, it's a part made by ABC Company. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're having a hard time getting that part. So you, you put something else on there. that's not from ABC Company. It's a little bit different, but it, it works. Well, now you've compromised the integrity of the process by putting something in there that wasn't qualified in the beginning. So this, this management of change is incredibly important to a lot of different business functions, and it's important because they know a certain process will have a certain result, and they don't want anybody messing with that process or or making their own decisions where that process is concerned. They want a very, very qualified management of change process put into place so there's consistent quality i was thinking about that on the way home from work today and how we have a management of change process in recovery mm. monkey one of the first things we we have to come to terms with as as alcoholics or as drug addicts is we are, we're we are unable to manage our own lives now that we've talked about you know, uh, ad infinitum on what that means and how that shows up. But in brief how that shows up is we can't control our drinking or our drugging when we start. We can't stay away from the alcohol or the drugs even though we make a a firm decision and desperately want to and our life is unmanageable in many many ways mostly emotional and spiritually and psychically and we we're, we're you know we're suffering from bondage of self being in bondage to this this self-centered fear and this uh, this this self-obsessed uh, deranged be you know belief systems and and all of this stuff we, we can't manage our own life well, We have a management of change process, and it has been proven to work. When you follow the directions, there's there's achievable, consistent results, and they are recovery and a spiritual awakening. So when you look at the 12 steps, that is our management of change process. What we do is we realize we can't manage our own lives in step one, in step two, we come to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves that can manage our lives and can help us with this obsession for drugs or alcohol in step three, we make a decision to seek that power greater than ourselves to place ourselves in the spiritual climate and atmosphere where that power greater than ourselves can do the most work and that's you know we have to use willingness and we we have we have we have to have a sense of desperation and a, and, a, and a true commitment to this recovery process. Then in step four, we identify, you know, how how are we mismanaging our lives? You know, what, the the inventory, the moral inventory, really is an inventory on our shortcomings, our handicaps. Uh, the roadblocks we're throwing up in front of God and our fellow man, and we need to identify them, we need to share them honestly, we need to come to terms with them in step five in a very, very honest way. The last couple of weeks we went over step six and seven, which is becoming willing to have God remove these character defects, and then in step uh, seven, humbly ask God to remove those character defects, and that really brings us, to step eight in our management of change process, which is become uh, uh, become willing to make direct amends, uh, made a list of all persons we had harmed, and become willing to make amends to them all. And that's where we are uh, tonight on step eight.
1: <clears throat> I, I really, I really enjoyed your uh, your example there because, uh, man, we we do we do have a tendency. Because of who we are, just human beings. I mean, it's not limited to alcoholics or addicts. I mean, just human beings. We have a tendency to throw a um, a wrench in the spokes when the spokes are turning just fine.
0: And especially as alcoholics <laughs> or addicts, we have a tendency to allow our instincts to become more uh, operative in our lives than they than they really were designed for. You know, it it basically said in some of these earlier essays uh, that we want to have more sex than 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 we probably should. We want to have more money and power. We want to have more influence. Uh, we, we you know we want people to respect us more, and we we allow these instincts to uh, to become very overblown, and to play a an, an important part in in our operational methodology. And so, you know, we're out there. We're out there using the wrong playbook, and you know, getting tackled. You know, much too often we get sacked. Much too often. And uh, I love the way uh, Bill basically explains it. So, you know, in step eight, we need to we need to look at where have our instincts, uh, the expression of our inst- instincts, collided with other people. And other institutions uh, out there, and and we need to come to terms with the harm that we've caused uh, because of this, because of these character defects or these shortcomings, and how they've uh, how they've how, how they've expressed a lot of harm. We need to come to terms with uh, with uh, who we've harmed, and we need to list them, and then we need to uh, start the process of uh, of, of uh, forgiveness, and you know uh, b- become ready to make that expression. Uh, of a man. yeah. You know, so I think I think I'll start on uh, page seventy-seven. We're in the book Twelve Steps, Twelve Traditions, and we're going to be reading from Step Eight on page seventy-seven. Steps Eight and Nine are concerned with personal relations. First, we take a look backward and try to discover where we have been at fault. Next, we make a vigorous attempt to repair the damage we have done. And third, having thus cleared away the debris of the past, we consider consider how, with our newfound knowledge of ourselves, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. That's, that's a tall order.
1: A very tall like, order. It
0: even said, even said there, this is a very large order. It is a task which we may perform with increasing skill, but never really finish. Mm-hmm. Learning how to live in the greatest peace, partnership, and brotherhood with all men and women of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure. Every AA has found that he can make little headway in this new adventure of living until he, first, uh, until he first backtracks and really makes an accurate and unsparing survey of the human wreckage he has left in his wake. To a degree, he has already done this when taking moral inventory, but now the time has come when he ought to redouble his efforts to see how many people he has hurt and in what ways. This reopening of emotional wounds, some old, some perhaps forgotten, and some still painfully festering, will at first look like a purposeless and pointless piece of surgery. But if a willing start is made, then then the great advantages of doing this will so quickly reveal themselves that the pain will be lessened as one obstacle after another melts away. You know, I have so many personal experiences. With uh, with this process of becoming willing to make amends, money, and you know, I've worked with a lot of people over the years, and they've worked with people. And on the way home uh, today, I've got like an hour commute, and I was listening to uh, an old CD. I'm going through all my old CDs. I'm you know getting rid of a lot of stuff, and I found some old CDs from a retreat from 2003. We used to we used to get together with a whole bunch of us uh, in recovery, and we would go up to. Lake Scania Atlas, it's one of the Finger Lakes in New York State, and we would all take over a Roosevelt mansion, you know, it was like a 55-bedroom mansion.
1: Oh, wow. We'd
0: take it over and we'd have a weekend retreat, it was an absolute blast. And some of these got recorded, and uh, just for the heck of it, I-, I was listening to to some of these, and I happened to pick out a uh, CD on Step 8 and 9, uh, and some of the retreatants were able to get up behind the microphone and talk about their experiences with step eight and nine and how, how powerful, how profound uh, what, uh, these two steps were on their own personal life. It, it, it's, where you, it's where you put your recovery into turbo drive is when you start looking at step eight and nine, Monty. Uh, you've got your own personal experience. You know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah you bet. Because, you know, you know, in the beginning we're reading stuff and then we're writing stuff and now we're doing stuff and uh it's a it's a progression you know it's interesting um i i've noticed this with guys a a lot more than than gals is it seems that when we have a conflict with each other where there something blows up and there needs to be amends it seems like guys want to fix that right now um you know, like when, I, when, I have, when I've done something and I know I've blown it, I want to go fix it right now. And the person I'm going to be fixing it with may be a processor, like my wife is, and not ready for that. And I get really frustrated. I get really, I'm like, but I'm, I'm trying to ask you to forgive me and, and all that stuff. You know, guys can be on the, the uh, basketball court and get into a, uh, a fight about the game, and one guy punched the other guy in the nose. Five minutes later, they're playing basketball again. Gals don't do there that.
0: Is, there is definitely differences between uh, the anima and the animas, uh, you know, the <laughs> female and the male uh, 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 expressions of power. Yeah, There, <clears throat> there, just, there just really is, and, and there should be. You know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of times, <clears throat> a lot of times if, a, if a woman is dealing with an issue, a lot of other things can get cycled through uh, that, uh, you know, that thought process. And a lot of times, uh, 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 the male energy will basically concentrate on the one problem in a very specific way, and, and, you know, and, and not get not get uh, not get cycled around with uh, with a lot of other things. It just seems seems that that's kind of uh, the, the differences in the in the uh, in the male and the female power. And that doesn't necessarily mean exactly men and women, because you know some some men ha- have expressions of. Uh, 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 of the the female energy, and some uh, sure. women have expressions of the male energy. Sure. It's, it's not it's not always uh, either or, yeah. but uh, but uh, you know I do I do agree with you in that. <clears throat> I have, I found uh, I found also that <clears throat> in the step process, in moving through the step, um, it, it can be it can be a little bit more mechanical, uh, and it can be a little bit more task oriented with with the men. Uh, the the women seem to do better. There's more discussion and there's more interaction, and there's more writing and there's more reading. And and again, you know, e- you know, one way isn't necessarily better than the other. I think mm-hmm. you know, there's many paths up the mountain, and there's many different donkeys we can ride. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think I think ultimately we need to be on the journey, and we need to be, you know, progressing and moving forward as uh, as people in recovery with this work. And you know, again, I've got I've gotten away from things like this is exactly how it should be done. Sure, uh, I have I have a lot more uh, I have a lot more latitude mm-hmm. as long as you're following the instructions in the literature. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, there's 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 different ways to follow the instructions in the liter- literature. I'm more about uh, you know I'm more about let's let's just let's just follow these directions. If it says to do something, let's let's go ahead and do it you know, and uh, and let's move on. Yeah. But uh, does that make any sense? Yes, it does. All right. It says here, these obstacles, however, are very real. The first and one of the most difficult has to do with forgiveness. The moment we ponder a twisted or broken relationship with another person, our emotions go on the defensive. To escape looking at the wrongs we have done another, we uh, resentfully focus on the wrong he has done us. This is especially true if he has, in fact, behaved badly at all. Triumphantly, we seize upon his misbehavior as the perfect excuse for minimizing or forgetting our own, and this is a huge mistake. So often, the people we are most angry with are the people we will benefit the most from from approaching uh, with with uh, uh, with, a, with an amends. Yeah. Right here, we need to fetch ourselves up sharply. It doesn't make much sense when a real tossback calls a kettle black. Let's remember that alcoholics are not the only ones bedeviled by sick emotions. Moreover, it is usually a fa- fact that our behavior when drinking has aggravated the defects of others. <clears throat> we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate, seemingly without provocation, is, is a line in the big book. We have repeatedly strained the patience of our best friends to a snapping point and have brought out the very worst in those who didn't think much of us to begin with. In many instances, we are really dealing with fellow sufferers, people whose woes have it have increased. If we are now about to ask forgiveness for ourselves, why shouldn't we start by forgiving them, one and all? Forgiveness is so so important, Bonnie. You know, as a, you know, when you look at when you look at religious traditions, let's look at Christianity for for a moment as one of the religious traditions. You you absolutely. Absolutely know how important forgiveness is Mm -hmm. for 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 the for the for the uh, the 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 healing and stillness of the soul. It's just vitally important.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It it um, it, it's that thing. You know, the person you're not forgiving may not be losing any sleep over it, but you will, and uh, it will eat at you and eat at you and eat at you until you've done it. Um, I've experienced that, and I've let it eat at me. You know, because I was so angry. And and it was first of all, it was my fault in the first place. And then I, you know, very eloquently twisted it around to make it their fault <laughs> and then I wouldn't forgive them for something they hadn't even done, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, fancy to real, it says <laughs> that's right. Fancy to real. So often we we we've we've told the story in our head in such a way that it resembles reality, little, <laughs> very little. Yeah. You know, we, we just we just have that that way of dramatizing uh, our experiences so that it minimizes our you know our wrongdoing. And and again, you know, in step four and in step eight, we need to be very very truthful, as truthful as we can be as fact-based as we can be on, you know, what exactly was our, our harm. You know, when we're talking about our harms, we need, to, we need to understand what the harm is. We don't go to somebody, uh, we, don't, we don't prepare uh, our eighth step to prepare to go to somebody with our ninth with generalities, like, you know, I, I know I probably didn't act very well. No, you, you want to be prepared with specifics. You, you want to be fact-based. You don't want to say, you know, I've acted kind of poorly. You you want to go and you want to you want to say, you know, I, I, at at such and such a party I insulted you. you know, I mean, you, you want to you want to be fact based because so often we can we can have the wrong uh, perspective on an event. We can think that we've harmed someone when we haven't, or we can think we didn't harm someone when we really did. That's why you know we have to we have to get down uh, as close as we can to the truth. Yeah. <clears throat> When listing the people we have harmed, most of us hit another solid obstacle. We got a pretty severe shock when we realized that we were preparing to make a face-to-face admission of our wretched conduct to those we had hurt. It had been embarrassing enough when in confidence we had admitted these things to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. But the prospect of actually visiting or even writing the people concerned now overwhelmed us, especially when we remembered in what poor favor we stood with most of them. There were cases, too, where we had damaged others who were still happily unaware of being hurt. Why we cried, shouldn't bygones be bygones? Why do we have to think of these people at all? These were some of the ways in which fear conspired with pride to hinder our making a list of all the people we had harmed. Monty, one of the things that I recommend to the people that I work with and that I guide through the steps is this. It is a separate spiritual exercise to write down all of the people in the institutions that you've harmed. You need, to, you need to separate that from the fact that you are going to be making amends in the next step. In other words, you don't want to be editing your A-step list because of an unwillingness to do the ninth step. You need to take it as two separate exercises because because you may not feel like you have the power To make amends while you're compiling your list but what happens is as you make amends uh as you start to make the amends you're willing to make in the list you become willing to make the ones that you had reservations about when you were compiling a list does that make any sense wow
1: that that is really really good advice uh you you bet because i know that that uh, I, I've seen that happen, and the first time I went through the steps, it definitely happened with me. Um, I would hesitate because of what was coming up next, and uh, my sponsor said, "You need to put blinders on and just focus on this, and just do what it says." Um, Absolutely, yeah. no editing.
0: You know, fulfill every single step to the best of your ability before you move on. Right. Like, don't worry <clears throat> about the next step. Some of us, though, tripped over a very different snag. We clung to the claim that when drinking, we never hurt anybody but ourselves. Our families didn't suffer because we always paid the bills and seldom drank at home. Our business associates didn't suffer because we were usually on the job. Our reputations hadn't suffered because we were certain few knew of our drinking. Those who did would sometimes assure us that, after all, a lively bender was only a good man's fault. What real harm, therefore, had we done? no more surely than we could easily mend with a few casual apologies. This attitude, of, of, the, of course, is the end result of purposeful forgetting. An, it is an attitude which can only be changed by a deep and honest search of our motives and actions. Though in some cases we cannot make restitution at all, and in some cases action ought to be deferred, we should nevertheless make an accurate and really exhaustive survey Of our past life as it has affected other people in many instances we shall find that though the harm done others has not been great the emotional harm we have done ourselves has very deep sometimes quite forgotten damaging emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness at the time of these occurrences they may actually have given our emotions violent twists which have since discovered our personalities and altered our lives for the worse. Mm. This is basically talking about how we got twisted. What are what are some of the things? What are some of the psychological processes at work that have deranged us as alcoholics? And I'll tell you, we you know we are the Jekyll and Hydes. We <laughs> we we can be completely bizarre, absolutely. You know, absolute. you know when, uh, people were asking me forever, Monty, to watch the new movie that came out called Flight. The Denzel Washington movie flight. Right. If you haven't seen it, basically what it's about is it's about an alcoholic, drug addict pilot who who crashes a plane. Really, he acted absolutely extraordinarily well during the crash, but he was drunk and on cocaine when he did it. <laughs> oh, well, the, and they took a blood sample. So, so the. So he saved everyone's life, Monty, in this crash because of his extraordinary talent as a pilot. But because of the crash and because a few people died, everyone had to have blood tests, and they found cocaine and alcohol in his blood. Now, the movie, most of the movie is about this guy's denial and about... How he how he has how, how he's got every reason in the world to separate from drugs and alcohol because he's he's going to be interviewed by the the FAA you know the Inquisition <laughs> and how he, how the night before his FAA uh, uh, investigation and hearing and deposition he gets drunk out of his mind and he can barely even make it to the to the deposition where he's got to testify uh, you know about his drug and alcohol use. He's, he's drunk out of his mind at this. Now, Now listen, I had to go back one time and get my license back for a third DUI, and I went to the Motor Vehicle Bureau to get my license back for a third DUI, PWI, drunk out of my mind, you know? <laughs> I know exactly, you know, this movie was oh. a picture of me in the 80s, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I've got to tell you, with the, the amount of damage that's done to us psychically and spiritually and emotionally, we, you know, no matter what, we're going to minimize it. It is monstrous damage, monstrous damage. Alcoholism and drug addiction take uh, an amazing toll. It can take not years, but sometimes decades to recover from the damage emotionally and spiritually that that, that was done through, through the action of alcohol or drugs. Decades, you know. All, you can make great strides by going through the steps and and getting a service commitment and being consistent at your 12-step meetings but but sometimes it can take decades for the real healing to happen
1: Uh, that's
0: just how that's how damaged we are
1: and, and i'm i'm just i'm i'm thinking about what you just shared um about what you did uh I've got I've got to say this I'm, I'll I'll make it real short because it it could be real the the long version is 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 really humorous but I we don't have time for that but what I did one time is a a buddy of mine was in jail he was in the same jail that um, uh, what's his name Helter Skelter um, Manson Manson was being held in uh, at the time and he was freaking out man so. He was in jail for something that we we were had both been drinking and he happened to be driving. So he went to jail. I didn't. They just towed the car and I walked home. I got dressed up in a three-piece suit. I got a briefcase. I looked all slick and everything. And um, I, of course, was under the influence of alcohol. Uh, and then I went to the courts. I drove over to where they were, went to the court while he was in court. And I got him out on his own recognizance posing as his attorney.
0: <laughs> oh my god that's, you could have gone to jail for uh, i know brother that is beautiful
1: yeah and and uh we waltzed out of there man and it was i mean i dude I, people say i should write a book because i've got a million stories like that that i people say you you did you've been the most crazy stuff uh but here's the real here's the thing that's amazing about about us we're Jekyll and Hyde, stone-cold sober.
0: Oh, no doubt.
1: Yeah. And, and and that's where the obsession of the mind is involved, because, uh, you know, I don't go to those lengths anymore. But some of my thinking um, can get really weird, man. Yeah, un-
0: unbelievable. <laughs> that That is that's, that's a great story. Uh, while the purpose of making restitution to others is paramount, it is equally necessary that we extricate from an examination of our personal relations every bit of information about ourselves and our fundamental difficulties as we can. Since defect, here, listen to this sentence carefully. Oh, oh, my goodness. Since defective relations with other human beings have nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes, including our alcoholism, no field of investigation could yield more satisfying and valuable rewards than this one mm. wow uh always always been the immediate cause of our woes, including our alcoholism this this defective relationships with other people Wow you know he's basically saying this is what causes our alcoholism
1: now that is i want I want to make sure listeners don't misunderstand um that's not the same thing as saying you know okay wife or no wife job or no job you know uh because here he's it, it, here it, it might suggest that, that that that's what he's saying i mean um my i was raised uh by dysfunctional parents i had terrible relationships with them that caused my alcoholism that's not really what he's saying here is it
0: no 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 it, it basically uh, basically our char- our personal character defects and how we comport how we have comported ourselves Throughout our relationships, is what has caused the emotional turbulence in our lives that has contributed to our alcoholism. Mm-hmm. The cause of our immediate woes. It may not be. It may not be the cause and condition of our alcoholism, but it's the cause of our immediate woes. Yeah. And 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 again, uh, it, nothing yields more satisfying and valuable rewards than digging into this stuff. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. You know, this is a spiritual principle Right. way back. You bet. Calm, thoughtful reflection upon personal relations can deepen our insight. We can go far beyond those things which were superficially wrong with us to see those flaws which were basic, flaws which sometimes were responsible for the whole pattern of our lives. Thoroughness, we have found, will pay, and pay handsomely. We might next ask ourselves what we mean when we say that we have harmed other people. What kinds of harm do, we do, uh, do people do to one another anyway? To define the word harm in a practical way, we might call it the result of instincts and in collision, which cause physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage to people. If our tempers are consistently bad, we arouse anger in others. If we lie or cheat, we deprive others not only of their worldly goods, but of their emotional security and peace of mind. We really issue them an invitation to become contentious and vengeful. If our sex, sex conduct is selfish, we may excite jealousy, misery, and a strong desire to retaliate in kind. Such gross misbehavior is not, by any means, a full catalog of the harms we do. Let us think of some of the subtler ones, which can can sometimes be quite as damaging. Suppose that in our family lives we happen to be miserly, irresponsible, callous, or cold. Suppose that we are irritable, critical, impatient, and humorless. Suppose we lavish attention upon one member of the family and neglect the others. What happens when we try to dominate the whole family, either by rule of iron or by constant outpouring of minute directions for just how their lives should be lived from hour to hour? What happens when we wallow in depression, self-pity, oozing from every pore, and inflict that upon those about us? Such a roster of harms done others, the kind that make daily living with us a practical practicing alcoholics difficult and often unbearable could be extended almost indefinitely. When we take such personality traits as these into shop, office, and society of our fellows, they can do damage almost as extensive as that we have caused at home. You know, he, he really is pinning us to the wall here. Yeah. I mean, so many of these things he describes, uh, you know, personally, to, to me, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to say yes, Yes, to all, almost all of them. I mean, that's really how I behave. Those are the things that uh, those are the things that I need to look at because uh, you know I have been guilty uh, of these.
1: And, and, and if a person, from from my experience, if if a person simply removes the alcohol, or or, or the narcotic, or whatever, um, and doesn't doesn't work through this twelve um, step process. Then they become self righteous. It's like the guy guy said here, you know, from uh, telling people how to live from hour to hour. Um, I've watched this happen with people I've worked with. That they, they, they'll go to maybe step four and stop, and then they become this raging lunatic, sober. And and they don't change at all. And then we hear that, that phrase, uh, you know, what happens when you sober up a, a horse thief? You get a sober horse thief. I can't stand that statement. Um, because yeah. Because I, that is not how I want to live. If I'm sober, I want to work this process so I change my behaviors.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, uh, here's the thing: you, you said you've seen people who who, uh, who poop out basically yeah. at step four or something. I truly believe that it's better not to start this spiritual process than to stall out in the middle of it. I cannot tell you how many people I know of who never got to amends who are not around anymore who start who, who, who did an inventory maybe even did a fifth step but they are not around anymore they are they are not still in recovery they they weren't able to create uh, an atmosphere conducive of continued recovery mm-hmm. uh, and and you do that by your particip- participation in this stuff uh, you your ability to stay uh, in any of the fellowships is contingent upon your willingness to move forward with this work. And if you don't do this work and you're able to stay around, you, 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 you don't even know what you are. You, you, <laughs> you, think you're, you think you're an alcoholic or you think you're a drug addict. You're, you're really not because the alcoholic or drug addict is not going to survive. Uh, uh, absolute zero spiritual growth—that's what kills us. Yeah, you know. So, having carefully surveyed this whole area of human relations and having decided exactly what personality traits in us injured and disturbed others, we can now commence to ransack memory for the people to whom we have given offense. To so put a figure on the nearby and uh, most deeply damaging ones shouldn't be hard. Then, as year by year we walk back through our lives as far as memory will reach, we shall be bound to construct a long list of people who have, to some extent or other, been affected. We should, of course, ponder and weigh each instance carefully. We shall want to hold ourselves to the course of admitting the things we have done, meanwhile forgiving the wrongs done us, real or fancy. We should avoid extreme judgments, both of ourselves and others involved. We must not exaggerate our defects or theirs a quiet objective view will be our steadfast aim whatever our whenever our pencil falters we can fortify and cheer ourselves by remembering what AA experience in this step has meant to others it is the beginning of the end of isolation from our fellows and from god and that is absolutely what i have experienced with this step Monty. how about you
1: yeah yeah um this let, let me let me ask you something here though um, there is a school of thought and I, I don't know if you've heard it out there but I hear it over here all the time um, and I think this is what will just alienate us from everybody is when the uh, people will say uh, sponsors, will tell their sponsors this you're doing this amends for you not for the other person that you've harmed you're doing it for you so you can be free. And and I'm thinking, wait a minute. So the other person doesn't deserve amends? I, I shouldn't have the attitude that they actually deserve me asking them to forgive me? Um, I think that's dangerous, don't you?
0: I, I absolutely do. You know, uh, selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our troubles. So all of a sudden we show up in a recovery group and they say, it's a selfish program and everybody's saying, you know, uh, I go to meetings to help me, and, you know, I do the steps to help me. That's just a continued manifestation of selfishness and self-centeredness, the thing that we need to be rid of most. Step eight is about identifying harms that we've caused in the past that we need to try to set right. It's about setting right wrong. It's what we should do. It's what we're supposed to do. It's a moral imperative to do so. To to refuse to try to set right wrongs that we have caused, it will contribute to the continued alcoholism or drug addiction, uh, to continue to keep us in that unmanaged uh, state of emotional unrest. It's it, it, you know, a, a normal person who is not an alcoholic or a drug addict can refuse to make an amends and survive it. Uh, as an alcoholic or a drug addict, what happens is it corrodes our spiritual condition to the point where we can't keep we can't keep moving forward spiritually. Mm-hmm. There's there's not there's not enough there's, there's not enough power in it, so we stop. And to stop means we're going to drink or we're going to use again and we're going to die so it's an imperative you know you you can you can use as a motivation to do the steps selfishness that you want to survive but you know hopefully hopefully you move past that quick pretty quickly to see that this is the right way to live you're doing this because it's the right way to live and it will contribute not only to your own recovery but to peace uh, you know, with your fellow man, you know, right relations with the world, which should be an important uh, goal for you. <laughs> you know, as yeah. you move away from the selfishness and self-centeredness of you know your own particular twisted worldview. Yeah, yeah. Make
1: any sense. Th- this 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 whole process is like rebooting our our body, soul, and spirit. We're, we're, it is. Yeah. It is.
0: It's, it's. It's. removing the default setting that points towards selfish. But well, you know, let's let, let's let's try to override that default setting. Mm. And let's try to get towards selfish uh, selflessness. Yeah. You know, and other centeredness and God centeredness. You know, well, do you think God would want us to be incredibly selfish and always just thinking of ourselves, or do you think God would want us to help our help help His other children to be helpful? And, and to participate in the in the you know in in, in the, the solution uh, of of fellow man or to, to continue to be part of the problem what do you think God would want us to be
1: no he, he wants us to be in fellowship with each other he wants us to be a solution focused uh he, he doesn't want chaos he's not the author of chaos um he's he's the author of a sound mind and absolutely I, I can't have a sound mind if I got this stuff. If I'm carrying this kind of baggage, especially, especially if I'm carrying this kind of baggage into a new relationship. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, let's see. Next week, we're going to be talking about step nine. Hopefully, my voice is back by then. Um, Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. That's a mouthful, Chris.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: There, there's a lot of controversy in there amongst some people. What is whenever possible? When's, is it harming you or is it harming them? or you know? And I think it's really there's a simple answer to it, I, but I, we like to complicate it and we like to weasel out of it, I think, a lot of times. Uh, so that will be very interesting next week when we do that. All right. Step nine next week. Our email address here is take12radio at comcast.net. And uh, you can uh, reach us just about any time. We've got a blog as well. Uh, it's just called Monty Man's Blog on the station there. And then, of course, all the, uh, the shows of Walking Through the Big Book you can listen to online and also get the DVD uh, as well. And uh, let's see, we'll, we'll be doing another show Wednesday, and then you and I are off to the mountains.
0: Absolutely. We're, we're, we're going to be retreating. Uh, we're going to re- be retreating to the mountains, and I'm going to be in lovely Oregon which is uh, kind of
1: cool because I'm an East Coast guy. Yeah, yeah. It'll be I, great. Don't get to, I
0: don't get to the West Coast
1: that often. <laughs> well, I, I enjoy it when I come out there, and I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy it out here too. All right, my Thanks friends. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, uh, stay on the line. Uh, Chris, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, back at you here in just a minute uh, off the air. Folks, don't forget, we really do care about you, and that's why we're doing this stuff. Nobody gets paid here. This is a matter of, uh, of the heart. And uh, we want to give this stuff away. So uh, please understand that you're important to us. Let us know what you think. Give us an email, take12radio at comcast.net. And until next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Chris Schroeder. And we're wishing God serenity for you. <laughs>
0: been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.